Welcome to this week's episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together, the podcast for entrepreneurs interested in fast growth and funding, powered by EHE Capital. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the EHE Capital podcast. This is all about entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs. And this week, I'm joined by Guy and Gary. And as we look at closing off 2021 and kicking off 2022, we thought it would be really good to talk about the things that we think are going to be growing trends for the coming year. And as entrepreneurs, what do you need to focus on and know more about? So without further ado, I will kick off with Guy. Over to you. Good morning. Hello, hello. How are we doing? Good. How are you, Gary? Very well, thanks. Very well. Looking forward to this. Yep. Yep. Good. We've got some good points to talk about, haven't we? So I'll leave it open with you, Guy, if you want to kick off. What do you think some of the key trends are that we've seen that have been quite strong this year that are, are going to carry us through into 2022? The key word I think this applies to the last couple of years is adaptability. Companies have had to adapt to ever-changing situations. And the entrepreneurs and the companies that kind of got that mindset straight away, instead of going, oh my God, this is the end of the world and blah, blah, blah. They thought, okay, look, this is really bad. However, there must be some opportunities here. There must be something we can change or a new service we can add or the ones that have, have done really well. Now, don't get wrong, in certain sectors, it's been a lot harder than the other sectors. So there's different degrees of this, your ability to adapt, you know, the entertainment sector and the kind of your pubs and bars and restaurants it has been really tough but even they've to, to quite a large degree have really adapted and, and made the most out of what is a really tough situation i think mindset's a key thing here and i'm going to give you one example i met a guy actually on holiday this year and entrepreneur and we got on really well having a chat and he runs a quite a big events company and he runs large events for the corporates all around the world and that's what they did. And of course, his world came to an end when lockdown happened, the first lockdown happened, because all of a sudden, not only couldn't you run events in your own country, you couldn't travel to other countries to run events, even if that country was allowing events. So his whole world changed. So what he did, he obviously made use of the government furlough scheme and everything else, because that's what he had to do. And that was very helpful, but it didn't solve the problem. So he then put all his efforts into developing a piece of software based on all their years of experience in running events. And this piece of software now has, has, has been built into really quite a comprehensive offering to corporates to run either online events, pure online events, or hybrid events. Now, the beauty of this is with an online event, obviously, you're not in person. But it opens up, instead of it being a fairly limited market to those that either want to travel to wherever you're holding the event or people that are relatively close to the event where it's quite easy to get to, instead of just those people going, an online event can be attended by people from literally anywhere in the world that has an internet connection. And there's actually advantages. So COVID in this instance has forced consumers and therefore suppliers to change the way that they work and actually ended up in a better situation. So moving forward, my anticipation of big events is that they will be hybrid events. And those that want to travel and, and meet in person, and there's loads of good reasons to do that. And I absolutely, that's my preference always. But you know what? Sometimes it's just not practical. It's not possible, blah, blah, blah. And to attend an event then online is, is definitely better than missing it altogether. And I, I've done that myself with a couple of key conferences that I go to every year. I've had to attend them digitally. 
that is far better than missing them. So it, it, it's moved the world forward, I think, in the events world from that perspective. So that bad situation was turned into a better situation, which has turned into something that he can be a market leader in moving forward. I definitely agree with the adaption. And that's a great point. I'm just thinking, uh, it's a really good point in those hybrid events. And we have done a few ourselves. Um, I wonder whether you could do concerts like that. <laughs> could you have 20,000 there and 2 million around the world all dying, you know, listening in on, a, on an iPad? There's an interesting thought. They did yeah, one but- in uh, Manchester in... Um, in lockdown, yeah, it was for like one of the lockdown charities. It was quite late. I think it was the entertainment sector organised it. Yeah, I watched a bit. I mean, Andy Burnham and people like that. Were, yeah, Andy, weren't yeah. They? I, mean, I, I subscribed to that and I watched it. And when you're stuck at home during a lockdown, yeah. the best thing you can do is get the biggest speakers you got in your house, plug them into your TV, <laughs> and have a party at home. Why not? Yeah, I know. I just that could work, couldn't it? Because you could charge, I don't know, two million people. Three quid or four quid, and then 20,000 people, whatever they normally charge, 100 or 200. It's quite an interesting, different dynamic, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, that's. Uh, w- w- without boring you, Gary, I think sporting events and music events will go down the virtual reality route, and you'll yeah. put a headset on or a pair of glasses maybe in the future as the, 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 this technology gets shrunk. Better. And yeah, and yeah, better. But, you know, the Oculus 2 headset, really good. And you can have literally the best seats in a stadium. And yes, the game in virtual reality and see people around you and stuff like that. All that kind of stuff now has reached a tipping point where it's not only possible, but it's actually it's kind of viable. If I try and condense my discussions with CEOs, entrepreneurs, leaders, the focus on the business is trying to recover revenue. And it was a good wrap up, if you like. It's called the three R's. So if you're looking at the operations, how do we rebuild our operations? How do we recover revenue? and rethink the organisation. It's exactly what you were talking about, Guy, in terms of adaptability. How does the business change? What does the customer's value post-COVID? And having to have a re-examine just about everything. People working from home, are they more effective? Is it a hybrid situation coming sometimes, not others? One of the big ones that, that has come up is people have changed habits, really, and, and COVID has driven employees to rethink their lives. I think there's a lot of people realising, why am I commuting for three hours a day there and back into this massive conurbation that I don't really enjoy? And COVID has allowed them to spend more time with their family at home and they're thinking, what am I doing? So that drives a lot of real estate changes, getting out into the country. And all these things are, are rapidly affecting the workplace, really. Because if employers don't change and adapt to the new thinking, most of the uh, ones that aren't particularly good at that adaptability, I hear moaning, they can't get staff. (laughs) Can't get staff, can't get staff. But it's generally them. It's not the marketplace. It's that they don't offer the employees what the employee is looking for now. That flexibility, that adaptability. Can I come in mid-morning? Can I work from home twice a week? Blah, blah, blah. And I think the good companies and the good leaders are willing because they've adapted and changed and reorganised things. And uh, some of the others that are moaning about can't get the staff, et cetera, et cetera, are not adapting very well. That would be yeah. my take. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I 100% agree. And I'm just going to just very quickly comment on that. My, my view on that is that a high percentage of employees are 100% trustworthy and actually probably will give you more 
efficient working from home than perhaps in the office because they've got they've got that little bit more time and they might use that for for your advantage for the company's advantage really. So I think that's the starting point for any good leader should be that most employees are untrustworthy. But actually, for the ones that, 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 that aren't, and there are some out there, then it's a function of management at that point. So the adaptability goes both ways. It goes from an employee point of view, but it also goes from an, the, the way that employers run their company. And you just have to put systems in place, which makes sure that there's a degree of monitoring without being big brother, just making yes and yes. keeping an eye on things. And so it is a function of management and leadership. That's where the issue is. It's not the fact that people want to work from home. <laughs> I can remember <laughs> built an organisation that was really quite flexible in its, its approach. It was based on output rather than input. And we had a great culture. You know, I can remember employing an FD and he, he didn't really subscribe to this culture because FDs are a bit, you know, clicky. you allow people too much freedom. And I can remember we had this big conference and uh, we were talking about how we're going to improve the culture and everything else. And his suggestion was clocking in. Just making people clock in. And I said, he couldn't grasp the idea that that would kill everybody from day one. So what you're saying is by clocking in, this is my take on it, is I don't trust you to get here on time and I need to keep an eye on you, blah, blah, blah. It just destroys the culture. Now, we weren't a factory, of course. You know, we didn't have thousands of employees, but it's just interesting that, you know, this is probably 15 years ago. You've got to trust people. That's the key. Yeah, 100%. And the reality is, right, why, if, if you don't trust people, and A, A, it destroys your culture, 100% agree with that. And and actually, what does clocking in actually achieve? I could clock in, and then I can yes. bugger up for the day. <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is clock out. exactly what happens, isn't it? That's exactly what happens, um, because nobody feels good about it. In my first job out of university, I won't name them, but it was a German company based in Manchester. We had to clock in by scanning our hand in a machine and clock out again. And your manager got a, re- and it was an office job. It wasn't, it wasn't like a shift or anything. Your manager got a report if you were like two or three minutes late. And they used to, you know, I remember saying, then, well, that's a bit strange, isn't it? And they were like, yeah, it's German company. It's there. It's the way they work. And then when a lot of the German leadership team came over, like they couldn't get their head around it. They thought it was absolutely um, <laughs> horrendous. Um, and we also had a blue carpet and then there was like a red line and you were only allowed to walk on the red line. So you had to always go, I can't remember, clockwise or anti-clockwise. There was some big quirks. I'm sure they're not there anymore, but it's funny, isn't it? When you look back and think, oh, how did we? Yeah. And, we all yeah, work? with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think just pick it. Picking up on, on, on trends, I think it's quite interesting how that knocks on. So this hybrid and working from home is definitely and there's a lot in the marketplace. So therefore, big companies need less offices. And it's quite interesting how I see how these things knock on. So there's less offices. So the big financial institutions and investors used to invest in office buildings because it was a safe investment, 3 or 4% return, everything good. They can't put it in offices anymore. They're nervous. So what's happening is they're looking for alternative asset classes. So all that retail office space that was pretty staple for the big investors is disappearing. So they're looking for alternative classes. And I've noticed that they've gone very quickly into leisure, which is the sector that I operate in the UK. And uh, 
I would say just about every major UK leisure holiday company has been bought in the last 12 months, really, which is interesting because these big institutions don't have their safe havens anymore. Those big office buildings or 100 million where they get a sort of 6 million a year rent, they're disappearing. What what that does, Gary, shows that you have to be, as an investor or from that world, you have to be have your finger on the pulse about trends and technology and where it's going. Because if you understand and can see stuff that's happening just before it happens or as it begins to happen, then you are in the best position to make the right decisions. If you don't have your finger on the pulse and you go the way you've done it over the last 10, 15, 20 years, then you're going to come unstuck. You're you're absolutely right because, you know, we go to these future conferences every year. And I would say probably for the last maybe 10 years, I've gone to these conferences with with the foresight to go, I wouldn't be investing in offices anyway, actually. We were probably ahead of the game because we take the time out to look and see what's going on in the world. But that digital transformation and the real estate change, you could see coming. It reminds me when I look back at pubs have been in decline. I I think I read a report from Bass. It's got to be 30 years ago. It, It could be a little bit longer. It was talking about the de- demise of pubs. And then I speak to people, say, 10 or 15 years ago, who've gone into pubs and go, well, I wish I hadn't. Da-da-da-da. You know, the information, you can see it coming. It's who's looking and where they're looking at. Yeah. In terms of sort of other trends, and obviously adaptability links sort of closely to mindset, what are the other things you think you both think are going to be really strong and prevalent next year for entrepreneurs, the things that they need to think about or spend some time focusing on? I've got got a really big one. I I think (laughs) not only people, but countries and people are being held accountable. I think that's quite clear. In everything we do, the accountability is scary, actually. I'm I'm so glad social media wasn't around when I was growing up because I don't don't think I've ever got a job in my life. Um, some of the things I go up to and made mistakes. But you can't make mistakes in social media anymore. I mean, it's, you know, you see it in sport, you see it in business. All the businesses, you know, once you get down to the last two or three people to employ, they check on social media and the feeds. It's just everyone's held accountable. And I think companies and leaders are the same. And they've got to be, if they've made mistakes, hold your hand up. Don't try and bury it because it'll come and bite you. So hold it and jump at the Does that include Christmas parties, Gary? <laughs> yes. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> yes. It does. It does because everyone's been, you know, and I think I saw an interesting program midweek for, I think it was David Padil talking about how unforgiving social media Oh, is. I saw that. Yeah. It's just an interesting angle. I thought he was very clever because it is unforgiving. Yet we've all made mistakes, often probably amongst our friends hopefully, rather than the wider public. But there's no sort of recovery. Once you're guilty, you're guilty. So you've got to be careful. You've got to, I think companies, if I was going leading a company today, you've got to have your values very clear. You've got to support the community in various ways and have charities that you support. It's about that heart and mind as well as the hard business. That's becoming a lot stronger in my view. Yeah, and I think the other one, it's out there an awful lot at the moment, so I don't kind of want to repeat it spend too long on it, but 
I think there's really good business reasons for this as well as moral reasons. But diversity is incredibly important nowadays because we do live in a, a diverse world. The UK is a very multicultural society. And if you don't have representations from a wide range of society within your company or on your board, then you're probably missing opportunities as a business. But you don't understand certain situations as well as you should. The last but probably most least important point is that you, you could get called out for it as well. And I think it's more important that you do it from the moral standpoint and for the right reasons and from the standpoint of just maximising the opportunities within your business. But you could also get called out for it if you're not. Careful. I think it was interesting, uh, obviously, we both enjoy football. To hear Arteta, the leader of Arsenal, talk about a leadership team, because he's got many different representations in the team from France, from Africa and the UK, different, he has a leadership team that represents different areas of the players. I thought a business can learn from that as well, actually. Yeah, and just on that exact point there, it's, it's well documented in the last couple of days, he's captain, I don't know what he did, quite frankly, but he obviously stepped out of line and didn't follow the values of the yes. set to set out. Yes. And he very quickly dealt with it. He was on the bench, didn't strip to his captaincy. It was a really clear message that the values of Arsenal Football Club are really important. And yes. anyone who doesn't follow those values, and it's not the first indiscretion from this particular player, then it'll be dealt with. And he's done that. I, I thought it was a really good example of, of modern business, actually, how to deal with it. And to have that leadership team that represents a whole different array of communities in your company. And I think leaders could learn from that, actually. Definitely. Brilliant. Thank you. They're really interesting points, aren't they? I think a lot of it comes back to, it's almost with social media and technology, it's total transparency now, isn't it? Everybody can almost see everything about your business, your story, your values. So it's about living them rather than saying Yes, them. Um, yes. Yes. I think great um, point. And I think for me, obviously, with a, a bit of a marketing hat on, customers want to see that story and they will be able to see that story. So it doesn't matter, just it's not just about what you're saying, but it's about what the sentiment is across all of those channels. It's understanding that you can't delete anything. There's literally no such thing as delete anymore. And the reference to the, the Christmas party gate is is kind of testament to that, isn't it? Twelve months later, we're still seeing we're still seeing pictures. So really interesting points. And I think it links nicely back to some of the previous podcasts that we've done around getting the basics right and the stuff with strategic coach around mindset and making sure that you are, you're in a really strong place for 2022. Is there anything either of you wanted to add and just in terms of kind of 2022 before we wrap up for today? Can I give you a very quick lockdown story of my own? As I've kind of mentioned, I think probably on other podcasts, I, I've, I'm working with an entrepreneurial lawyer from New York called Dave Zampano, and we set up a company called Guider. And we met in originally, I think probably October 2019. And actually, that's the last time I met him. And then come April, May of 2020, uh, after numerous conversations over Zoom and Google Meet, we decided to move forward with this project and everything we've done has been remote. I've used a remote engineering team from the UK and elsewhere to build this platform successfully. And the branding is developed, has been developed remotely and we've been working daily almost with 
the team in the US who are, we've done the development, we've got the platform out there and they're now doing the operational stuff, getting the lawyers on, on boarded and then helping them understand how to generate sales uh, for themselves and through the system, through, through the platform. So it's a proper lockdown story. I've met the guy once. I'm hoping to meet him early next year, but who knows? <laughs> we just don't know what's going on. It's all gone. It's on. a brilliant. It's a brilliant story, actually. How to start an organisation in lockdown remotely? Brilliant. I feel like that could be a whole other podcast, really, couldn't it? Yes, it could. Yeah, put it on the plan. I'll put it. And on I think the plan. actually, Gary, as well, it's probably not one for now, but. You know, the, the way that we've developed and actually pivoted on, on EHE is a, a, a great story. And I think that should be a future podcast as well, actually. And we had a vision and, you know, as we roll that out, we realized that was, there was a better way of doing it. And we moved and invested in that idea. And that will be announced early next year as well. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So before we wrap up today, I just wanted to let everybody know, obviously, we do have the EHE community. So for any entrepreneurs looking for that fast growth and funding in 2022, please do join the community and um, we'll post the link with the podcast text. And obviously you can subscribe to all of the other podcasts as well, because there's lots of helpful content in there. So thanks very much, everybody. And we will speak to you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together. Visit the EHE Capital website, ehe.capital for further insights and to join the EHE community.